Let's get this show going, man. All right, everybody loose now. Hurry up. Hurry up. Get ready. We're turning it up. Let's go 11 taco right here. 11 taco. Fast, go fast. Tell me get in the huddle. Go fast. Let's start with something special right here, man. Let's go. Hey, go. Get set. Fight time. Hey, we're good. We're good. We're good. Takes two. Hey, can he choose the mic? Tackle, what you gonna bring to the table tonight? Tonight! Y'all already know what it is. Oh, Y'all know what time it is, huh? Incredible. They've done it again. FCS Championship number nine for North Dakota State. Well, there you have it. North Dakota State is your FCS champion. And 2021 in the fall season of 2021, Brandon Joseph, Nathan McCreary. I'm always confused. Is it the 2021 champion or the 2022 champion? I guess that game was, uh, well, no, it was January. So are they the 2022 champion or 2021 champion? Yeah, the FBS level, the college football playoff, they award the following year's championship for that team. Season. So the 2022 college football playoff champion was Georgia for the 2021 season. Yeah, I think for purposes of the NCAA, I think they declare, even though the game was played in 2022, the 2021 fall champion. Yeah. OK, so 2021 yeah. fall champion is North Dakota State. It wasn't much of a game. Disappointing. Uh, Tommy Malott went down early in that game, and I think he was probably their only um, likely uh, hope of winning that football game. He goes down early, and then it was all bison from there. And, uh, you know, great FCS football season, and it was it was exciting to be a part in a different way than I've ever been before. Um, kind of this AQ7 podcast and working with you and, and watching the games that I probably wouldn't have watched before and kind of evaluating things. I, it just is, it, it was a different perspective of the football season where usually we're in the booth or on the field or doing something during the season. Um, I got a chance and you were at those games doing, doing the Georgia tech stuff. Um, I was in the booth with Kennesaw state, but also, uh, you know, watching AQ seven football and it was a good season. Yeah. It's really fun to get a different perspective. I mean, with us being around FCS football at various, you know, points uh, for a very long time, but we were hyper-focused on, you know, one team and one conference and not really worried about the periphery and not being as, you know, as educated as we've become over the course of the FCS as a whole. There was something to, you know, kind of being so far in the forest of, you know, at the time that we were doing Kennesaw State football that we couldn't see the top of the trees mm -hmm. of the whole FCS landscape. But now to be able to remove ourselves you know, from that and be able to take in more and to look at it, you know, not so much as, you know, a potential playoff matchup for the team recovering or, or you know, a, a conference matchup even for the team that we're covering to look on, on, you know, it as a whole for not just the AQ7, but FCS football as a whole. I think we knew that they put together a good product and, you know, lending our knowledge and our, our skills in covering it. Uh, to help take it to a different level. I think that was, it was really fun to be able to, you know, deep dive into different programs, get to know more coaches and to be able to continue and build that. Yeah. And I think that my favorite, and we kind of talked about, okay, well, how we're going to structure this. And it's just you and me uh, talking about, uh, we're not going to really get into the game all that much. It was several weeks ago, 38 to 10 was the final North Dakota state. It was a dominating performance. Um, by the Bisons, but we, it, we, I just wanted to, to recap our season and some of the favorite things I we got a chance to do is, is I now know a man named 
um, Colby Carthel in in uh, <laughs> SFA that I really like, and I will I will root for him and his teams no matter where he is because he lent us the time and and gave us great um, insight to his football program, and and that was something I thought was pretty special. Yeah, and you know Casey Keeler also. I mean, for if you, if you want to take you know news broken here. Casey Keeler said on our program, you know, we talked about a lot of different things the multiple times we had Casey Keeler on, but he mentioned Georgia's defensive coordinator, Dan Landing. He said he will be a head coach sooner mm-hmm. than later. Well, sooner than later happened, and he is now the Oregon head coach after the Georgia Bulldogs win the national championship. But just those types of conversations, the candid conversations we had with, you know, Coach Carthel. Coach Keeler, I mean, Blaine Morgan, Mm -hmm. uh, we had some very candid conversations with all of these coaches that really took the time out to to come on with us. And then, you know, Sam Herter uh, talking to him about, you know, the landscape of FCS and asking him some questions that, you know, he was very honest that he'd never really been asked before and things like that to to almost indoctrinate ourselves in good and bad ways into the FCS landscape with fan bases and other um, people that cover FCS football or other people that um, attempt to cover FCS football. It, it was fun. And just from a holistic view, I, but talking to the coaches, I think, and being able, you know, especially early in the season before the season began, getting a chance to just talk ball with them and, you know, get to know these coaches on a different level and not just, you know, what wins and losses say, but a philosophical level too. Well, one thing that in, in the advantage of being around a football program I think going in as a young broadcaster or reporter or whatever the case may be, and you get a chance to interview a coach you don't know a whole lot about, you're asking about X's and O's because that's that's what you think it's a, it's about. And coach, you know, the, the simple coach, how do you think your team did? What do you need to do better? What are you going to say to them in the locker room? What did you say to them in the locker room? What do you need to do in the second half? Those kind of basic questions. That's that's on the surface. That's where you start as a broadcaster or journalist. But we got a chance to dive deeper in in this format to say, what do you do to relax? How do you how are you keeping you know with the COVID restrictions and the and the potential of you know seasons being interrupted? How is your mental health and what are you doing to uh, to protect the students, your staff, and yourself? And get real get real with the coaches. And I thought that was um, something I I didn't really foresee coming into this and we did it with with um the the commissioners as well ted gumbart uh, and commissioner heard for the whack and we got great answers and everybody was very very candid you didn't have many canned answers from the coaches that we got a chance to talk to we certainly didn't get didn't get canned answers from uh, sam herter and sean anderson and coach ron from eku uh, about the the season or dustin helton for that matter uh, so I, I, it was it was a very fun and different experience to to take that deep dive into a football program and a coach's mind. Yeah, and going back, back to even what you said about you know having you know Ted Gumbard and Jeff Hurd, the now former WAC uh, commissioner, on was Jeff Hurd was talking about conference realignment and having to live, you know, being a part of the WAC when it went away from being an FBS conference because they were rated and you know just talking to him tangentially about, you know, what was going on with conference realignment, even though his conference wasn't at the focus of it, or, you know, they weren't the victims of having teams poached away on a large scale as they were previously, although they did end up losing Sam Houston <laughs> out of it. But for him to say, you know, as a conference commissioner, he, he 
he feels for all these other conferences at, at the FCS and the FBS level because he knows what it was like to have those phone calls. And anytime the phone rings, it could be, hey, another school's leaving. Hey, this school's thinking about leaving. And it could be a tough time. And that kind of candid nature of ripping back the curtain of how, you know, Conference USA, the American Conference, um, Sunbelt, and all these FBS conferences were feeling in going for it. Casey Keeler coming on our show and basically unequivocally denying that he was going to go back to Delaware before he had to release a statement as well. I mean, I, and I think the one thing that we want to focus on was, you know, yeah, we can ask you about the X's and O's. We can ask you about the two deep, but, you know, we approached it from the mindset of we're curious people. We don't know a lot. So we're going to ask you very curious questions because we want to learn about not just their philosophy as a coach, but their philosophy as a human being, how they go about entrusting themselves or getting the trust of the players and the parents and the community and all that. So it was almost like a deep dive for us in that we never tried to make it seem like we knew all the answers to the mm-hmm. question that we were asking or trying to, you know, Barbara Walters, anybody and make them cry. We were just <laughs> generally curious mm. about these, these men uh, and, and their desire and their love for this level of football. Well, you know, one of the things going into the season, we focused on the AQ seven and Sam Houston being the national champion and for the spring 2021 season. And we, we knew about them and we, we were there in Huntsville, Texas, uh, with Kennesaw State had been there, um, new coach Keeler, uh, SFA, you got a chance to to learn about their program and uh, you know some a program I didn't know a whole heck of a lot about. Central Arkansas, another program that we got a chance to to deep dive into, and EKU Walt Wells was uh, a highlight for me as far as the future conference of the A Sun looking forward because you kind of at the time. We're thinking we're going to be around Kennesaw State's football program, and this is going to be a future opponent, them in Jacksonville State. So we really want to learn about them and maybe build relationships with them because we'll get a chance to see them a couple times a year um, or, or often through uh, Kennesaw State being in the A-Sun. And, of course, we started making predictions about who strengths the, the schedule and the strengths of the rosters and learning these players. And then you get a couple weeks in and you realize Sam Houston was good, but then it was a crapshoot the rest of the way. Jacksonville State beating Florida State and then was a total mess the rest of the season. They end up firing their head coach, John Gross, who never came on with us. He was the only AQ7 coach. He did try one time and said that we were late getting him on, which that wasn't the case. It was their SID um, was n- not responsive to our Zoom link, and we had we had tried to uh, communicate, hey, we're here waiting, uh, but it was four minutes after the, our scheduled interview time, and, and he said, I have other things to do, and walked away, which was disappointing. Um, but, uh, you know, all the ups and downs that we saw early on the schedule, uh, early on in the, in the season, and, you know, I, I think that was kind of the – that kind of was what made it fun – um, we thought Central Arkansas was going to be the number two team in the AQ7. Lo and behold, you're looking at EKU and SFA as the number two team in the conference, and not a whole lot of people challenged them for those that that second position, uh, second and third position, if you will. Yeah, for everything that we thought, it's just kind of like one of those craziness, you know, 
things of coming off of the spring season. Everybody laid a lot of predictions down across and we made our best educated guess, but we were pleasantly and also other times just I mean, begrudgingly shocked at things Mm -hmm. that happened. I mean, the fall from grace from Jacksonville State and John Gross uh, uh, basically unceremoniously, you know, getting removed from there or the writing on the wall, having the fan base, you know, turn on him. And even despite the fact that he, you know, ditched us, we were staunch (laughs) defenders of the ability. And we, we got into some pretty heated discussions about, you know what Jacksonville state is and the perception that I guess the fan base has, and we'll see, they're going to make a step up and you know, that conversation is kind of removed now, but they get rich Rodriguez in there. They, they have money to build and, you know, redo their whole stadium. They're going to make a jump into FBS football, but you know, who knows what they're playing for at that level and who knows, you know, what that program is going to become, but yeah, but Eastern Kentucky, you know, not just, you know, the coaching staff there and Walt Wells, you know, coming on with us and having some great conversation with him, but the fan base of Eastern Kentucky hopping on, you know, with us and, you know, really supporting what we're trying to do here. Um, you know, we, we had huge listen listens in, in Texas as well, whether it be from Abilene Christian area or the Sam Houston, uh, markets over there in the SFA market uh, really showed up well looking at analytics of the podcast and consumption of that so it was really cool to just to be around and uh, have these storylines and really resonate with not just you know the immediate you know contacts with the schools and Mm -hmm. you know to settle our our love of FCS but the fan bases and the families of the players as well and and uh, just to update you, John Gross has joined Clemson's uh, coaching staff as an offensive analyst. He was one of two coaches that uh, left the uh, the AQ seven. Adam Doral was the other coach that left. He he left uh, Abilene Christian. He is now the head coach of Central Arkansas. I'm sorry, Central <laughs> Central Oklahoma. Uh, sorry, Nate Brown, uh, central Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. You uh, broke some news to Nate Brown, <laughs> the Broncos. Um, so, uh, those coaches landed on their feet and, uh, you know, Clemson, obviously in a, in a, a rebuilding, if you will, mode, uh, the ACC trying to, trying to find some footing, but, um, yeah, the, those coaches, they, they did land on their feet and, uh, I don't know where we're going with that. Oh, well, I know what I was going to say outside of the AQ seven, what were some storylines you kind of followed through throughout the year? Well, uh, you know, going from the, you know, the end of the season and working my way backwards, I, you know, we talked about a lot, the fascination of Tommy Malott mm-hmm. and then um, what Cam Ward yes. was the starter before they're leaving the program. I think that became a very interesting play test and a couple other, you know, FCS players that ended up wanting to throw their name in the transfer portal early. Uh, really became a, a big thing. Uh, realignment was huge. Right. Uh, and I think, you know, we're going to enter in a, a phase where it may lull, but it may ramp back up. Um, and now that everybody gets a very similar off season, we saw a lot of teams that we had thought would be on an upward trajectory that played in spring that may have hit a wall. Uh, how do you combo that? How do you build back off of that? There were a lot of very interesting storylines, you know, but, saying goodbye to a James Madison now right. is some, something that's going to be huge. A Sam Houston. These are, 
you know, and, and credit to um, North Dakota State, they will stick around. And a lot of people have been curious as to why they don't get the call up. Listen, nobody wants to go to Fargo. It's it's not necessarily a fun place to have to, you know, schedule not just football, but basketball and all these other sports that are uh, FBS uh, requirement to kind of equal out the scholarships and everything. So they're going to stick around at FCS for a long, long time. But, you know, we had the emergence of Jackson State and Deion Sanders being very vocal that he doesn't necessarily want want to play in the Celebration Bowl for all the good that it does to showcase historically black colleges and universities. He wants to win a national championship Mm -hmm. and do it at Jackson State and to bring in the number one recruit in the land in Travis Hunter and to bring in another top 10 recruit that he ended up flipping from Miami, a a receiver-cornerback combo as well to get Jackson State in there. And they finished the season ranked 22, and they honestly could be a top 10 team next year with all the talent that they will have. I don't know if that will translate to the wins or respects with the polls, just because they, they will face a fairly light schedule for lack of a better term, but yeah, plenty of storylines in the FCS that covered the gamut of the season. And if you're continuing to be interested, there are a couple opportunities to see some FCS players still play as the East West Shrine bowl is February 3rd. That'll be on the NFL network. And then the senior bowl, um, February 5th, on the NFL Network. A couple of players uh, played in the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl this past weekend that we were familiar with. One of those was Zarek Cooper. That was a story that we thought Zarek Cooper being out of Jacksonville State and all the hubbub that came with him, and we got a chance to see him play uh, there at SunTrust Park. And he's got all the tools uh, required to be a good quarterback. And whether it was things around him or the culture of the – the locker room or whatever the case was, he was not successful at the FCS level. I'm a little surprised. I'll be shocked if he if he get, gets any uh, – if he's drafted in the NFL um, after the season that he had. And I think that's a shame. I think, uh, you know, I, I root for everybody to get a chance. I just didn't think he put it together particularly well uh, at Jacksonville State. Yeah, that's going to be a tough thing. Zarek Cooper has the size to maybe transition in the NFL, uh, maybe be, you know, a tight – in or you know kind of a, a receiver mm-hmm. type he is a very big kid um but yeah I, I don't see the opportunities for him at as a quarterback at the next level um and it's a shame because you know he was a five-star going to Clemson things didn't work out there you know with you know Deshaun Watson and then Kelly Bryant and then they bring in Hunter Johnson as well and that's about the time Zarek Cooper was making his way out of Clemson and then go to Jacksonville state. And it was a lot of highs and lows with him, as you kind of mentioned at quarterback there. And it's just, I don't think he did enough consistently for the NFL to look at him and Mm -hmm. go, you know what, we're going to, we're going to definitely spend a draft pick on him. He'll get into a camp. He'll be an undrafted free agent. He may get some reps, may be able to show out in, you know, mini camps. And we, we forget to mention that I believe 2022 will be the relaunch of a spring football league called the USFL. Yes. In 2023, the USFL may expand, but we expect to welcome back in the XFL. So there's going to be more spring football to be had for a lot of these names that, you know, at the FCS level. And I mean, PJ Walker, a guy who balled out in the XFL now is the backup quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. They will put on a good enough product of football that, 
you know, names that you are familiar with if you're an FCS fan can get discovered. So somebody like Zarek Cooper, just, you know, taking him individually, he may not be an NFL quarterback. He may have to go be a spring football quarterback Mm -hmm. for a couple of years to show that he can make that progression or potentially switch positions. Another player uh, that we talked about constantly that got a chance to be uh, and got the invite to NFLPA Collegiate Bowl is Jaquez Ezard out of Sam Houston. Not a surprise there. What a young man. Uh, what a talented young man that is just a, just a scrappy baller. And it's great to see him get some attention. And I honestly don't know a whole lot about the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl. You you may know, and I don't, I don't mean to put that on you, but I, I guess the invites are... I uh, got the attention of NFL uh, uh, scouts at some point, and this is where the, this is how they get invited to this bowl. Yeah, so the way the the NFLPA bowl works, it takes the senior bowl is supposed to be anybody who's a senior. Mm-hmm. Um, they've kind of loosened that up at time to take some juniors who have early declared that wants to show out. But the NFLPA bowl takes anybody who's draft eligible, and it's put on by the NFL Players Association, so future potential members of the NFLPA and, that, and that's how they organize that. So it's a little bit different than, you know, the senior bowl, which is run independently by former scouts. Um, I forget who now oversees the senior bowl, but it's former scouts and coaches uh, in the NFL. Um, Reggie McKenzie, who longtime worked for the Oakland Raiders um, was actually is a scout for them and would go to college games and scout players and future invites for the senior bowl. The NFLPA is players who are submitted their names uh, as potential for the NFL draft and to join the NFL PA. Mm. They kind of aggregate them. And if you don't have a senior bowl invite, they'll try to get the next grouping of guys through their own scouting service in there and um, help get those guys invited to the combine. That's really what their step is. The, the NFL PA collegiate bowl is a stepping stone to get guys to the combine, really to get them in front of um, NFL teams in that way in shape and form. So it's not really, you know, an evaluation game of, like the senior bowl is where you have a bunch of scouts in there. There will be a lot of, I wouldn't say the top tier scouts from mm-hmm. NFL teams, but they'll send, you know, tape guys and guys who have been looking at college players just to get more eyeballs all on them rather than tape. Okay. Well, cool. Well, I'm just, just looking at, uh, looking at some um, NFL draft websites. They, uh, they have a Zarek, they have Zarek Cooper, uh, ranked as a potential free agent, but they do say modern dropback quarterback, six two two twenty five. See if they have Cole Kelly or anybody else in here from uh, that we'd be familiar with. No, that was it. So um, interesting. I mean, those those are the kind of things. The story you hit all almost all the storylines that that I thought were were fascinating. Eric Berrier is a name that we talked about, um, and just a just a complete baller. Uh, so is uh, Cole Kelly, and and I hope they get a chance to continue their their season somewhere. By the way, you mentioned the USFL. I, being a Buccaneers fan, the '80s were lean years, <laughs> to say the least, for the Bucks. They'd go three and thirteen every year or whatever, and then so the USFL. I was a huge Tampa Bay Bandits fan. Um, Steve Spurrier was their head coach. Um, and uh, man, I I loved watching them play, and I think they won the USFL Bowl, or I don't, I don't forget what they call it, championship or something. So I'm fired up to see that the, those logos. I'm a big logo guy, and you get to see some of those logos come back, and uh, some new logos as well, some updated logos. 
I'm I'm pretty fired up about it, but any, anyway, I I I live spring football probably with a little bit more bitter taste. Yeah, in, I know. in my mouth with the Alliance of American Football. I mean, they still, they owe, still me owe you money. money. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the fun part is in watching those guys, and you know, those are guys that just want to play football. Yeah, and they want to try to continue their career. And we had guys that had just come out of college. I mean. Uh, uh, Luis Ruiz, you, uh, University of Texas uh, Commerce, that uh, coach Kobe Carthel coached himself there, um, had just you know finished his collegiate career, comes in to the Alliance of American Football, wanting to try to get that shot. Felt mm-hmm. that you know there just wasn't a lot of tape on him because uh, he was a one-year starter, learned the game of football, uh, was a bowler beforehand. Then you had guys like Aaron Murray, guys who had played on the highest of stages in college but we're told that you're not good enough to play in the NFL wanting to prove themselves. And then we had um, Matt Sims, son of Phil Sims yeah. and brother of Chris Sims, guys with the name recognition, played a, a fair amount of college ball, just trying to make it. And th- that's the fun of watching the spring football. And you get a lot, a lot of guys that are willing to go the extra mile. They, they don't take any plays off because they know that, you know, that's their opportunity Mm-hmm. to be able to make it to the NFL. So I love watching spring football. Yeah, I do too. And, I, you know, I think I was really surprised, and I think I mentioned it during the season, how little interest was uh, the FCS drew when they played in the spring. And I think that probably has a lot to do with ESPN's not interested, and yeah. so they don't promote it and, and you know uh, – there's other things going on. Baseball is going on, and some other things. So, um, yeah, it, it is it is interesting to uh, to see how that's going to take off. Uh, it, they tried the they tried it in the spring. They were successful. We'll see if they can they can do it again. And, and some of these players are going to get a chance. And Quay Holmes is another name that we got a chance to follow his career. He's going to be a senior, and and I think likely get a chance to be on a roster somewhere in the NFL. Whether he makes it or not is completely you know who knows. But uh, but. There, that story, Barrier and Quay Holmes, and kind of watching the the race for the the, the lead rusher in the FCS, uh, Cole Kelly, those kind of things, and of course, and then and then smacking around with the ETSU fans was always always interesting and fun as well uh, as we uh, went through the season. And of course, Kennesaw State and ETSU, that game was an absolute heartbreaker. And if you if you search anything regarding ETSU or Kennesaw State, that's the number one thing that comes up. Of course, it's gonna yeah. Be. It used to be Kamaya Street being a murderer. Now it's that. And now it's that. <laughs> Sorry, Coach B. I hate to bring it up. Anyway, yeah, you know, it's really tough for Kennesaw State to get the the true positive headlines in there. It really was. I mean, at one point you had you know what whether the cheerleaders were kneeling, you had a, a player arrested for murder, and you and you know trying to get some good positive uh, momentum in the media in Atlanta. It's a tough road for a team like Kennesaw State. In the media, although I think recruiting it helps, in the media you just don't have the interest there. And uh, I give I think six eighty a huge amount of credit because they've shown the interest and actually put their money where their mouth is and want uh, want to to provide Kennesaw State a platform, which is which is great. And we we obviously being alumni, I appreciate that as well. All right, so where's this podcast going? Um, I have no idea. Uh, of course the AQ seven was what we wanted to highlight. We did that. I think we did it in a, 
Well, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. I think the fan base that we got and the people that reached out and the people that were willing to come on the show and talk football with us, I think we did it. We did it well, sir. And uh, I I tr- truly believe that I couldn't have done it without you and your your uh, wisdom and intellect and analysis of college football. So I think we did this well. We can we can tie a pretty bow on it and then nail it shut and then move on. What are your thoughts on on moving forward as the uh, the uh, late signing periods occur and camps start opening and spring football uh, approaches? Well, yeah, I, you know we had a lot of fun doing this, and I don't think I would have had fun doing it with anybody other than you i think it's a reflection of every game that we've called together i mean mm-hmm. we basically do things to entertain ourselves and you know tan and, you know on a <laughs> tangent other things are going on yeah uh, um but at the core we mainly just try to entertain ourselves but you know for everything that the aq7 i think you know the things that were said by the the coaches and the, the two commissioners that made up the AQ seven. Thank you for shining a light on this conference. And mm. thank you for, you know, caring about FCS football and, you know, item number one, there is no more AQ seven. So, you know, you're welcome for caring about the AQ seven. Uh, it was fun. Uh, but just the, the, the passion that was shown by, you know, most of these coaches, um, the commissioners and everything like that. And, you know, not just for their, their, individual aspects but for fcs football as a whole and you know in my heart um who knows you know fall is a, is a good chunk away um we have eight months until we we play games Ugh. to figure out where we're, we're gonna be week in week out but as far as you know one night a week out of out of my week until fcs football gets the respect that i feel that it needs to deserve i i i think you know, and I don't know how you feel about. It. We didn't pre-rehearse this, people. <laughs> no, no, this is you're you're watching the big, thought process right right now. Yeah, there is a big hole, and you know, we need to fill that because I don't think anybody does enough to show us that we're not needed. Mm-hmm. And the day that I I think we're not needed, the day I think that there there's a bunch of other people that cover it just as well, if not better than we do, then I'll gladly walk away. But they're not there yet. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I think, you know, really, really quick to sum up my point, you know, and you mentioned the way ESPN treats it. ESPN doesn't necessarily care about FCS football. I don't think there's enough, you know, big picture people that care about FCS football. Hell, I've said it before. I don't think the NCAA really cares <laughs> about FCS football, um, but we do. Right. And we have the ability to, you know, record this and, provide a platform, you know, for the Eastern Kentuckys, the Central Arkansas, you know, the Jacksonville State people, whether I think that they don't necessarily see football the same way they should, the East, the ETSU people even. So, you know, while we'll probably be focused on the people that we have closer reach to, this is an FCS play. Mm-hmm. And we will lend our skill and our knowledge or tap into the people that, and, you know, the Sam Herders of the world and the other people, you know, Ryan Humphreys, and, and yes, those guys thank you for mentioning him. Yeah. You know, the, the guys in the north, I forget the, the podcast and um, the believe guys that yeah. we that we uh, yeah, Joe DeLeon and Sean Anderson. Yeah. Who, yeah, who call I mean, us who call us uh, Brandon McCrary or something like that. We're one person. In <laughs> yeah, them. It's, it's pretty cool. much. But, you know, I think, you know, in this media landscape, they care and it can only help grow the FCS. Yeah. And I think, you know, as long as. That's still there. I think, you know, hate to put, you know, 
sanctimonious, you know, titles on, we're almost obligated to continue doing this in some way, shape or form. No, I agree. I agree. And with uh, a couple of changes around the FCS with uh, JMU going FBS and now Hampton, Monmouth and Stony Brook, which I think is a great move for the CAA, by the way, with Stony Brook and Monmouth both being there in New Jersey and uh, Hampton kind of filling that Virginia void. Uh, that they're joining the CAA, and that means the Big South is has fallen below the automatic bid. Uh, the number for automatic bid, I ex fully expect uh, Ted Gumbart and Kyle Kalander to have the conversations. The commissioners there for the ASUN and Big South of what they may do. We may be talking. It may be the uh, the the big sun <laughs> football podcast, yeah, the a South, <laughs> yeah, the a South or whatever. Um, the Atlantic big South sun conference. Yeah. Big Atlantic sun, big, a, yeah, yeah. No, not Atlantic sun is big a, yeah. B a big yeah. a sun. That's <laughs> yeah. The B a sun. Yeah. There you go. Uh, who knows, but, uh, we're continuing to do it, talk football and, uh, it's always a pleasure. And it's been really great to get to talk to people and, and really meet people and, and respond to people through social media and, and through this podcast. And, you know, I, I, uh, I look forward to doing it again. And, uh, as we wrap up this final episode of the season, um, I think you said it, said it well, I think there's, there's a need for good quality and analytical thought, uh, talk rather on SES football. And when there's not the, the need isn't there, then we'll move on. I really believe the division one, ranks are about to be divided once again into the have and the have nots. And we kind of talked about that before. So you're going to have the power fives and you'll have 9,000 podcasts about the power five conferences. And then you'll get the rest of the division one, a, a, a remodeled, if you will, FCS uh, platform or whatever they're going to call it. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, then you're going to, then you're going to have a, a ton of teams that need a lot of coverage and, and uh, I look forward to FCS football kicking back up and, and talking to you about it and spending some time and just kind of goofing off and getting to, to know new people and talk to new people as uh, as next season approaches. Yeah, and, you know, from the fan bases of Eastern Kentucky and Central Arkansas, um, we were learning about you guys. Mm -hmm. And we thank you guys for the patience that it requires of listeners and fans for that learning process and think – you know, credit to those guys for being very smart fan bases. They they know that, you know, we're not going to come in and know 20 years of history mm -hmm. on their program, you know, despite our research and things like that. But what we can do is watch the prime they put on the field, whether it was, you know, the 2020, 2021 spring season into the fall and give our best, you know, experience explanation of what we see is going on in the talent on the field and get that insight from the coaches. And, you know, if this does morph into the a sun and then we add in the big South, well, guess what? We know all y'all in the big South. That's right. We know all y'all very well in the big South. Mm -hmm. And now we know everybody in the a sun, you know, with the exception of Austin P and we'll get to know you guys. Yep. Uh, and we look forward to learning about the governors. Yep. And, and and what what they bring to the table and getting you know I know a little bit about them basketball wise, um, but for football and that's what it's going to be. It's going to be more of the same, more of the you know fun banter that we have. And you know what if we feel that the somebody needs to be called on the carpet, no matter who they are and what they cover and what conference they're in, we're going to do it and we're not going to back down from having that conversation because no offense to to anybody that you know we have brushed past with this past season and 
you know, whether it was me and Jacksonville State earlier, the fan base there, <laughs> or you and ETSU for the, the latter part of the year, I challenge anybody to come on and we can break down film. Mm-hmm. I, I, I welcome that. I, I, I welcome anybody in the FCS landscape that wants to talk X's and O's with us because we know what we're talking about. And our job, and we're very good at it, is explaining it into a consumable nature for, you know, the players' families or the person who may not be as educated in the X's and O's as to why these things happen. We're next level, and we're not going away. We're not, and uh, here there's a spirit spinner. Maybe some new names on it next year. Yeah, you're going to add but, a couple of names to it. But we'll see what happens as we spin it one final time here in the uh, fall 2021 into 2022 FCS season. Brandon, it's been a pleasure. And it lands on Central Arkansas. So we'll go out with Central Arkansas's fight song, which is... Where's Central? Oh, Purple Pageant March. I mean, we didn't get a whole heck of a lot of uh, uh, the Central Arkansas fight song this year. So I'm happy to go out with uh, the Central Arkansas fight song which is, I forgot already, Purple Pageant March. You got anything, one, one last, uh, last hurrah before uh, we wrap it up? Fall is, like I said, eight months away, but it seems like forever, but it's going to go by so quick. It will. I can't wait. I can't wait. Continue to follow me and Brandon on social media. Uh, continue to interact, and if, uh, if we end up having a wild hair and putting an episode out uh, <laughs> in the spring, we'll let you know. That'll be the place where we post it for uh, the final time. Brandon, I love your brother. Thank you so much for, uh, for carrying me this, this year. And uh, I look forward to the future. Uh, I think there's an equal part carrying and I love you. And this has just been so much fun. All right, here we go. It's the purple pageant March, the AQ seven football podcast saying so long. I hit the wrong button. Hang on. I hit the wrong button again. Hang on. Oh, I'm not hitting the right button. <laughs> Here we go. 